Welcome to Dr. Me First. This is the place where we talk about real things that are happening with female physicians and other people in the workplace who are struggling with burnout. Today, I have an interview with the amazing Dr. Elizabeth Hughes. Not only is she a kick-ass dermatologist, a fellow physician female mom, she's also an inventor. Yeah, that's right. She invented her own skincare products and continues to invent and get new things out into the market. When she told me this a couple months ago, I was like, mind blown emoji really was because I thought, gosh, that's so hard. I don't know how I would do that or where I would even start. So she comes on the podcast today to share all the ins and outs, how she got it started, because I'm hoping that she can inspire one of you out there to take that idea that's within your brain and make it an actual product. So if that's you, sit back, get your notebook and your pen, take some notes, and then get your dreaming into action. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, actually. My friend, my colleague, my fellow coach, Dr. Elizabeth Hughes. It's so good to have you back today. I am so excited to be here, Erin. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, and if you didn't catch Elizabeth the first time around, she came on to prove to all those naysayers that you can take a sabbatical as a single mom. So we'll pop that link into the show notes. But today, I brought her back because she is an inventor. And she was talking about it in Physician Coaching Alliance, and I just had all these questions that I wanted to ask her, but I knew we needed to record it at the same time. So we're going to ask her all the questions about how she became an inventor specifically for a skincare product and the whole like nitty gritty process along the way, as well as her tips and tricks for the inventors inside of all of us, because... I truly feel like doctors are some of the most creative and innovative people that are out there, as well as our colleagues in pharmacology and therapy and nurse. Like, we do have to think bigger. And and sometimes when we're on the ground, we're like, oh, it'd be so nice if this worked like that. And I was just telling Elizabeth before we hopped on here, my like one and only invention that I wish I would have done back when I was 12, when I was thinking about it, was you know, like tea bags with the strings on them, make a tea bag out of marshmallow and fill it with the hot chocolate mix on the inside. I mean, Pinterest figured it out because we now have those hot chocolate bombs. But I'm like, damn, I could have like been the Swiss mix of hot chocolate, gourmet hot chocolate. But anyway, but I- I'm excited to get going on this today, Elizabeth. So tell the people out podcasting world a little bit about yourself and then we'll jump into your inventor story. Okay. So I am a dermatologist and practiced clinically and pretty conventionally for, you know, probably what was it like 20 ish years, a little bit, maybe a little bit less before my sabbatical and my break. Mm -hmm. When I, and, and I will tell you, it's actually interesting that taking that break and thinking outside the box for a little while sort of opened up all of this creativity. And that's what sort of started this down the road. So I consider myself a person who likes to solve problems and likes to do um, detective work. I mean, that's what I love about dermatology. It's all detective work, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's, that's what I like. And what I noticed was so many people would come in and say, what can I do about my dandruff? 
what can I do about my dandruff? My dandruff's really bad. I've tried, you know, all of the -the over-the-counter shampoos and things like that. And I would hear myself say almost automatically, well, dandruff is a chronic condition. If I could cure dandruff and I had a dollar for every person who, you know, I cured dandruff of, I'd be a millionaire. And I was like, (laughs) I like that because I tell people if I had a diamond for every earwax club that I dug out, I would be a rich woman. Oh yeah. You'd be (laughs) exactly. Exactly. So, so I think I was using that phrase to sort of explain why medicine couldn't do any better for this common condition and sort of show some humanity and, and some empathy for how difficult it is. But then I was like, why am I not solving this problem? Like, why is it, what is going on that I, like for everything that medicine does, why isn't dandruff solved? And so my first step was really that, that listening to what I was saying and asking myself, well, why can't I do better than that? Right. Why can't I, why can't I do better? And that led me to really look at what, what is it that we're treating when we treat dandruff? Like, what are the shampoos doing? I was like, these actually aren't treating dandruff. These are taking away flakes. And, and our, whole, our whole treatment pattern doesn't have anything to do with the pathogenesis of dandruff. Like, doesn't that sound kind of crazy? Yes. It's like, like we're, we're just, doing a duct tape fix. We're doing a duct tape fix around it. And I was like, okay, we need to go back to the basics. And what is it that I could do that gets back to the real basics of repairing the barrier, cutting down on the inflammation and that yeast that everybody treats with Selsun Blue, that's like along for the ride, but it's not going to help. And, and so that was what started the whole process for me. So I ended up ordering... So, well, here's the next thing that happened. Then I said, okay, so I want to go after inflammation and I want to do it in a way that doesn't disrupt the skin barrier. Those were the two things that I wanted to do. And I started Googling for non-steroid anti-inflammatories. Like what can you use on the skin that isn't triamcinolone or, you know, Dermasmooth or all of the things that we use, the fluosinolone, fluosininide. What is it that we can use that's not steroid, but has some data behind it? And there's lots of stuff out there. There, there are things out there and some of them have been incorporated into already over-the-counter products, but not really at, not at a, a high enough concentration to make a difference. But there's, once you start asking like, what else is there? There's data on how much licorice root and what is the exact extract and, and which licorice root happens to be one of the things in my product and how much do you use? And then the next question is, well, what does it take to repair the skin barrier? Like what's the, the qualities of a good oil that's a good carrier oil for these things that might have some skin barrier repair qualities without being comedogenic. So then, you know, my, my dermatologist brain started to say, okay, I want something that isn't going to block pores, isn't going to weigh down the hair, but is going to repair the skin barrier because we use shampoos because it's convenient and everybody knows that that's what they're supposed to do to their scalp, but it's a terrible drug delivery system, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's a terrible. So I, I see you like getting all over Google and PubMed and like going to town. And then I see you like 
getting out the pots in your kitchen. Is that what and you did? And that's exactly what happened. So <laughs> there are places that you can, you know, for all the people who are out there making their own soaps and body lotions and things like that, there are places that will sell you raw ingredients. And so that's exactly what I did. Once I figured out what my raw ingredients were and what I wanted, I started ordering. And and my kids will attest to the fact that my house was filled with these little tiny glass bowls, you know, <laughs> like with all sorts of things. I'm like, all right, so this one has this percentage and that percentage. And, and just until I got a feel and a, a smell that I thought was good. I was going to say, were they your um, smell subjects? Were you like, here, here? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So I got to this point and then I was like, what do you do next? What do I do next? Yeah, I was like, you don't want to like <laughs> farmers market this, but yet you want to like get it out of your house. Right, exactly. And of course, you, the manufacturing process, I wasn't about to make something in pots and pans and then label it like I need, you know, it needs to have like proper good manufacturing, pro, you know, processes. And you want to know about what some of the things that I, I would want to undo. This is one of them. So I reached out to a friend. I reached out to a bunch of friends and I said something along the lines of, hey, do you know anybody who works in sort of cosmetic development or skincare product development, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And one of my good friends who said, hey, I know someone, you know, we've worked on something together and why don't you and Nicole talk? So I interviewed this Nicole, the woman who was recommended to me, and she had a ton of experience. She was a formulator for L'Oreal and Maybelline and things like that. And so she was a really good cosmetic formulator and she loved the idea and she loved what I was making. But this is where I should have thought I was, I was working with someone who was thinking mass market and she may have been very, very skilled, but she wasn't thinking the way I was in the quality of product and the way that sort of on a pharmaceutical basis, if you know what I mean. So we worked together for a while and she kept pushing me to change the formulation to make it least expensive possible and wanted me to get a shampoo and a conditioner to go with it. And I was like, but that's not part of it. Like I, I want to work on something specifically for the skin. And so what I didn't recognize was that her vision was so very different from mine. And it wasn't till I was $30,000 into the process of having someone send samples. It's, it's an expensive process to have, you know, set up with a lab. And I was like, this isn't right. And I never, maybe it wasn't 30,000, maybe it was like 15,000, but it, I never got a formula I liked. I never got a formula I liked. And so I dropped it and I thought I could have given up. I could have given up and thought, well, this is this is all I can do. Because she didn't want to use some really high quality extracts that have no odor. And she was busy trying to throw perfumes into the product to cover over the odors of the active ingredients. And I was like, that's not what I want because no fragrance added is super important for a lack of contact dermatitis purposes and, and things like that. And so I, I really, I walked away for about 18 months and thought that, you know, this is just something I can't do. But I then actually went to a networking 
thing, <laughs> like a, a physician online networking thing. And I met a woman who is a family medicine doctor in Ohio, and she runs a formulating lab. Uh, it was one of her things for products that use. So my product, one of the main things is it uses CBD because it actually has really good anti-inflammatory effects in the skin and skin barrier repair, along with licorice root, along with some other you know, non-standard things. But she actually was in the CBD industry herself already. And that's where this other formulator that I had worked with Nicole before really didn't have familiarity with that and didn't know how to, to navigate that world. So start again, don't give up. <laughs> and I got more formulations and I did more, more research and I tinkered some more in my kitchen. And then I turned it over to this doctor in Ohio. I'll mention her name, Dr. Bridget Williams. She's lovely. And so runs her own practice there. And she was awesome. But that was my mistake is not finding the right people with the right vision. She understood, oh, this is something that's supposed to replace the derma smooth. And she was familiar with it because she uses it for her daughter's eczema. And I was like, okay, so you get it. You understand now that this isn't something that's over the counter that you're going to get on the target. So that was my big mistake. So yeah, you probably have questions by now. I do. <laughs> I have so many questions. And I, I love that you explained the journey because, again, it can seem very linear as we're telling it in the future. Because like when you're first starting, I imagine you're just so excited to find somebody in the industry who like knew what to do with your stuff that you made in the kitchen. Right. Oh, yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, we can do this and set it all up. And then I but it comes back to me. And I was like, this is stinky. And my kids who were the smell test and they brought, you know, the the samples that came back. She's like, my daughter said, I'm not using that on my head. And she actually has dandruff. (laughs) She's like, I'm not putting that on my head. Yeah. (laughs) And and so it is good to have those like bumpers, you know what I mean? On the side to, to keep you on your vision and course, no matter how like wacky or in left field that it feels like it is. And so, and I think the other thing that I'm pulling out from your story is like, this was not like a one month thing. This took a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. So the second time around that took from the time I said, okay, we're going to do this again. And that meeting to the product up was a year to a usable product, a usable product, a usable website enough. And I can go into all of the other regulatory things once I got the product right. But it was a year. Yeah. Because I think so many times we're so used to like ordering stat or, you know, like urgent (laughs) and you get the you get the the lab or the imaging or the whatever, you know, done. But it's it's definitely not like that when it comes to product development, writing a book, you know, any of these creative processes. And I just I think that's a great reminder to me, like you're not doing anything wrong if it takes a little bit of time. Right. Because you had life happening in the middle of this with two kids and figuring out, you know, what was going to happen with your relationship, like we talked about last time and like all the things that were going on as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the second time around, I also had a bigger team working with me. So there were there were lots of people who had to coordinate things because uh, when I was like, okay, this is a go, we're really going to do this. I hired people to work on uh, market research. Like, where do we position this in the market? How do we talk about this? Um, which is an interesting process, you know, that that SWOT analysis, strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And then people to do 
branding, you know, come up with branding. And that was really interesting, the, the branding, because you want to have something that's unique and how to search the databases of other trademarks. So you're not mm-hmm. going to infringe because we we built one entire brand and then did one last search and it infringed on something and back to the drawing board. So we came mm-hmm. back again. So yeah, that's sort of thing. Okay. So we talked about like getting the product into actual bottles with a formulary. Talk a little bit, because I know that you had to talk about like FDA and you had like, there's certain words you could and could not use you had mentioned before. So talk about that process. Like once you have the product, how you get it to the people legally. Right. So I will tell you that for my specific product, the FDA regulation is one of the most difficult things. And not every, obviously not every product is going to have it, but there's going to be regulation around it. Okay. A little background on the FDA. Sometime in the 1970s, the FDA started to crack down on claims, medical claims that were made on over-the-counter products, obviously much earlier than that. It goes way back. But in the 1970s, they codified a list of words that um, the FDA sort of owns and a series of ingredients that can be used for over-the-counter products that can be said to treat those words. Okay, so for example, if your product contains 1% hydrocortisone, you can say it's anti-inflammatory, but you can't say anti-inflammatory if it contains anything off that list, which is really, really difficult. And I didn't know this before I went in, but the FDA decided dandruff is a medical word, even though speaking as a dermatologist, it's not. You, know, you get your hand slapped as a, as a first-year dermatology resident if you say the patient has dandruff. It doesn't. But the FDA owns the word dandruff. So I'm not allowed to use dandruff on any of my marketing which, because I don't want to put any of their active ingredients in it. And their active ingredients are things like salicylic acid and selenium sulfide and, and because those are the things that don't work. So it becomes this back and forth dance. And I'd love to be able to go back 50 years and try to figure out exactly what was going through the mind of the people who made this list of like, these are the 10 ingredients that you can use for skincare products that say anti-inflammatory or anti-dandruff or anything like that. And say, <laughs> do you know how this is going to stymie things in the future? As well, far and as it sounds like goes? it's probably antiquated now. I mean, just think about how much medicine has changed in the last 10 years, let alone 50. Right. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And you're not, so you're not allowed to say anti-itch unless a medication contains things like petrolatum, like Vaseline. You're allowed to say anti-itch for things like that. But if you don't have that, you can't say anti-itch. So that's been a big It's not a labeling challenge for me. I don't really care about that, but it is a marketing challenge in the sense that I can't, in my social media marketing or on the website, because this is an online product, I can't specifically say this treats dandruff. I can't use the word dandruff and I can't use the word treat. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like it's a huge bugaboo. So how do you get around it? Do you use the actual medical terms? No, that's, that's, so I talk about, Flakes, I talk about scratchy scalp, aggravated scalp, dry, scaly scalp. I can say all of those words uh, around that. 
Now, what's interesting is then you go look around on like Amazon and and, and the internet, and there are lots of people breaking those rules. Like you can type in dandruff treatment into Amazon and look and see that there are people who haven't done their FDA due diligence and they're, but they're risking this big fine. And I, you know, for every product sold, and I don't want to risk that fine. Absolutely. And so was there thought of making this product like prescription only for you, or did you always want it to be accessible? No, because for the prescription only, so that's the tricky thing. Because I'm using novel ingredients that aren't on this recognized list, I'd have to do a new drug application. And, you know, that requires all the levels of testing and the millions and millions of dollars. So that's, that was not something I was interested in. Like, I just wasn't interested in doing all of that. And I don't want it necessarily to be prescription because most people aren't going to see their dermatologist for dandruff. They're just going to go to the store and buy another bottle of head and shoulders. And and there's something better out there for them. Yeah. And so once you kind of like figured out the regulation portion, talk about that next step of like getting it out into the world, like marketing, your branding, and the other thing that gets me, because I know I do just a tiny amount of merch when it comes to Burnt Out to Badass, the shipping and the mailing and the orders and the, yeah. do you do all of that? Or is that, do I have you a drop outsource? shipper. Okay. I outsource. And I, I decided that very, very early on that I was going to, I did not want to turn my house into a mailing center. So I, I do pay a, a premium for that, but it is worth it to me, completely and totally worth it. Uh, and I have a, a good drop shipper and I have good relationships with it because it gets to be really complicated. I've got formulators that uh, you know make the formula, but then I need to make sure that they get the bottles and they get the labels from somewhere else and can put it all together. And they're, of course, used to that. And then they ship it to the drop shipper who then, you know, is able to pack it in my special way. Like, this is the crinkly paper I want in there. This is the card that comes with it. This is the info. This is how I want it to look. That unboxing experience, you don't think about it, but you don't just want to get what looks like an envelope that's been, you know, run over. (laughs) You want to have a nice box and a nice unboxing experience. And I could do much better at that, but it's something that I have thought about at least. And there is something like real intention about how I, how, how things look when people get the product. But the, the way to market these things uh, for me, at least has been social media. You know, we see these ads, like you, (laughs) you start looking for a dandruff treatment and something will pop up. Well, you can set your ad so that that's what happens. So that it just pops up into people's feed or, or it's in that little right-hand side on the, uh, if you're doing the desktop, I have found for me and my, and this product that Facebook has done better than Instagram, but since you can cross post, I do post to both. I have not ventured into Google ads for this yet. I wanted to see if I get my ad and I'm still, I'm still working on seeing exactly what ads are best. You know, whether you do short form, long form, go to what sort of sales page, because I have a whole website with things, but like what, what's the best way to do that? That is something that is still a work in progress for me. Absolutely. And so how long has the product been available now for purchase? 
since January. So we're recording now in early May. So it's been four and a little bit of months. Yeah. And how has it gone? You know, because there was so much buildup and development and decisions and people connecting and everything. How has the last four months been for you? So I will, I'm going to absolutely admit, and I know this is true for book, for people who write books as well, is like you expect to open the door to great fanfare and have people just flooding in to, and you're like, it's crickets for a little while. <laughs> crickets, like, and that is, that's frankly, it's disappointing. You, you, you know, it is disappointing, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to stop because I, because I really believe in this product and this whole system, because for me, it's, I started with the dandruff product, but I, I have plans and formulas and <laughs> little bottles sitting in my kitchen of what comes next, which is some better skin care for people with sensitive skin, very dry skin, eczema prone skin. I, have a fantastic formula for people who have to wash their hands all the time and get that irritant dermatitis that's next. And that's been stunning. Oh, I forgot to mention the, um, the testing part. So I did, you know, I can test it in my kitchen for a while, but I put out a, a call, you know, anybody would be willing to test you know, my product. And I got, you know, sort of a, you know, dozen, dozen and a half people who were willing to test the product out in advance and give me feedback about what works. And you get all sorts of funny feedback, like the bottle's too hard to open or, you know, stuff like that. And you're like, okay, now I know I, next time I order the bottles, uh, they'll, I'll come with something that's a better lid. And then some funny, interesting feedback, like one person who said, you know, this actually conditioned my hair and made it have more body. And I'm like, well, that wasn't, that's part of, you know, that's a nice bonus, but it wasn't what it was supposed to do. But it's fun to, to hear those, even those little things that people don't think about or that I wouldn't have thought about that people experienced. Yeah. Cause you're almost too close to it now, yes. you know, to, to now experience it and, and see it with new eyes. And that's why I think it's always fun to, even with my coaching and podcasts, all those, you know, getting that new fresh eyes on it never hurts things. Now, you got to put your thick skin on sometimes. That's for me, definitely, because you're coming after your baby. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. And I got some. But why didn't you tell me this? Had blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, calm down. Here's some science. <laughs> calm down. Here's some rationale. It's like, yeah, there's a reason. Yeah, for what absolutely. I'm doing. You know, and I love the saying too, that, you know, it takes 10 plus years to become that overnight success. And I think <laughs> that's what your story is lending to is like, yeah, you're going to do all this work and then you're going to do more work. And so right. I think it is really finding something that you can say that, yeah, I, I enjoy it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I really do love the invention process and something that goes from my brain. And I was like, hmm, I wonder how this might all work together. And and seeing that and then seeing it in, like you get your first bottle or your first sample and you're like, this is something real. (laughs) This is is the thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was what I was like the first time I heard my first podcast episode. I was like, I have a podcast. And now it's just like small potatoes, you know, every episode after that. But it is. And I think it is something beautiful to create something into the world that was non existent the day before. Yeah. Definitely. So you mentioned the finding the right people with the right knowledge to help you along the way. What other tips or tricks would you pass on to our future inventors who are listening? I would also say that is 
making sure that you've got professional help for some of those things like branding, searching for names. So there are trademark issues that you want to make sure you're not stepping on people's toes there. If you're making something that might have a medical use, you really do need to look at what the FDA regulations are and have someone. I mean, I hired an FDA consultant in addition to do all of this for me and and walk things through and think about your questions really, really thoroughly. Make sure that you're going down every rabbit hole. Like for instance, is this color blue somehow trademarked or very recognizable with something similar in your in your materials? Is it the block, you know, or the capital letters, if they're really squished together, does that mean one thing, but you can use them farther apart? And and that sort of little minutiae that you don't know what you don't know. I'm not an expert on that sort of thing. I, I I'm really not, but there are people out there that do know exactly what they're doing and know how to make sure that they're creating original work because that's what I, you know, I can create control what I'm doing as original work, but that the whole thing needs to be original. And with that too, you got to share what's the name of your product line and where can people go find it if they want to snoop? <laughs> okay, absolutely. So it's beyond dermatologics dot com uh, beyond dermalogics is the name of the product line and as i say there's only the dandruff uh formula now but there will be more hopefully by the end of the year actually i need to get on that <laughs> they need to move out of out of my kitchen and off to a formula, my formulator well awesome well we'll put that in the show notes too because i just so appreciate you coming and talking on the podcast and really showing people like what is possible because we do have a lot of things in our heads and we're like, oh, nobody can do that. Nobody has the time. But you're an example of a clinical physician who took a sabbatical, opened up her creativity, took the time, figured out the pathways, and now has a beautiful product with so much potential coming forward. Right. And I totally agree with what you said at the very beginning. Physicians really are unbelievably creative and we just shortchange ourselves. We just assume that we're not somehow. I just think that at the bottom, it's like you just assume like, well, that doesn't have any value. It, yes, it does. Like, yes, it does. Well, and I think we we get into ourselves in the, our imposter syndrome. You know, you obviously went into dermatology because you loved it. And now you're taking that expertise, knowledge and advancing the field. Right. Right. And it's, you know, maybe out of the box than what our training or, you know, residency fellowship had suggested of like, you have to see patients in order to like change lives, but you're doing this now in a totally different way. Totally different way. And with, I know for sure, way more impact, like in a year, I mean, if my sales were that fantastic, but in a year I could potentially reach more people than I reached in my entire career. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. From a little box arriving on their doorstep. Exactly. I love it. Well, Dr. Hughes, thank you so much for coming and sharing and opening up your kitchen to us and showing us the process. If people are out there who maybe want to drop you a question or connect to get the names of some of the people that you've worked with, what's the best way for them to contact you? So they can contact me probably on my coaching side, Elizabeth at ElizabethHughesMD.com. But you can go to Beyond Dermatologics and there's a form there as well. So you can check it out. So I, I'm, I'm open. I'm available. Love it. <laughs> Thanks again, friend. Thank you. 
all have heard, it takes a village to raise a child. But you know what else? After raising that child, and once that kid has grown up, it takes a community to care for them. Communities are what keeps us sane. They help us heal our trauma. They dance with us when we're winning. Without my online communities, I would have never made it through burnout. And I certainly would have gotten through the shitstorm of this pandemic either. If you too need community, I want to invite you over to my badass Slack group. That's right, I'm not going to be on Facebook, but I do love me some Slack. It's a place where you'll find that you're not the only one. You're not alone. You'll get total validation on what's going on with you. There's a pool of resources. Community is active and rating to welcome you in. We are all helpers who have needs. And sometimes we need to have a community that can surround us, protect us, give us a hug, and lift us up. And that's what the badass Slack community is. So come join me today. Link is in the show notes. Dr. Elizabeth Hughes, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing all the goodness, all the truth bombs that you had in there. Thank you for entertaining all of my crazy questions and like dabbling around in your brain. I really do hope that this inspires somebody out there that they have an invention or a product or something in your brain and heart so that you can get it out into the world. And if you do have something, you need to email me it because I'm all the time promoting other female physicians and their work that they're putting out into the world. I do this thing called a weekly newsletter and I'd be more than happy to do product placement for you because you know what? The world needs to know about your awesomeness. So drop me an email at hello at burntouttobadass.com and I will get it taken care of for you. Remember friends, your life, your calling, your pulse matters and the badass in me honors the badass in you. See ya! Check, 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 check.